I'm George Galloway, and I present Kali Mahorra on Al Maidin Television. Here we are in London. I speak my words freely, either in Parliament, on television, here on the streets of London. Kali Mahorra means free word. That's what I speak. So Kali Mahorra is a two-way conversation. Check it out on Al Maidin Television. Welcome to Kalimahara with me, George Galloway, on Al Maidin Television, coming to you from London, discussing Julian Assange, a political prisoner of note in the heart of London, in the Lee of Harrods, where many of you will have shopped. Julian Assange ought to be the recipient of a Nobel Prize as the editor-in-chief of WikiLeaks, he has done more than all the journalists in the world put together to expose the malfeasance, corruption, and war carried out by the very powerful entities that now imprison him and threaten his very life. His mother, his colleagues in the campaign to free Julian Assange now say, that Julian's very life is in danger. After eight years of unjust incarceration, without charge until very recently, and a secret indictment in the United States. He is a hero to many. He is a villain to the worst villains on the earth. But far too many people are not yet engaged in the campaign to free him. It's a complicated and somewhat tortuous tale, but its ending is up to you and up to free people everywhere. Either Julian Assange is delivered in irons to the empire in the United States of America, whence he will disappear from view for most probably the rest of his natural life. Or public opinion forces the British government to accede to the international requests from the United Nations, no less, to cease his unjust and unlawful incarceration. As always, I have an audience of distinguished experts and one or two enthusiastic amateurs like me. The story of Julian Assange is the story we want to bring to you this evening. And I'm going to start, Vaughn Smith, with you. You are central to the Julian Assange story in so many ways. I hope you won't mind me saying you are a product of the British establishment. Your father was a colonel in the Grenadier Guards, no less. You were yourself a British Army officer. You're a successful entrepreneur, but you are a libertarian. Is that the key to your involvement in the Julian Assange story? And how would you introduce this story to the international audience watching this, perhaps for the first exposure to the Assange case? Well, thank you, George, for uh, <laughs> your description of me. Um, and uh, uh, it's true. Um, I was a soldier. Um, and I have to say, it, it, I look back and it is confusing to me. I'm not entirely sure how I got into this position of having supported Julian. I um, started a club for journalists, a press club in London called the Frontline Club. Uh, Julian arrived uh, one day, obviously running a press club, we're always interested in people who are controversial, got something to say, something we can learn from, and he's certainly uh, someone we can learn from, I believe. Anyway, he, he knocked on the door and he said, look, um, I'd like a press conference. Um, and um, our relationship, our friendship started then. And that was, gosh, eight years ago. Um, and that was just before he released... Um, uh, leaks that he had received from uh, from Manning, the Manning leaks, um, and uh, which there were several of. And I remember he held a, a press conference uh, in in the club that I founded, uh, and <clears throat> um, I got to know him. Um, I saw 
uh, being a journalist myself, I saw the manner in which the trade that I'm part of reacted to what he was doing. Um, and I wasn't so comfortable with that because I, there was a great interest from British and American journalism um, when he had material that they could publish. And that interest diminished to a point today where if you read a newspaper about Julian Assange in this country or America, it's probably about whether he washes. It's probably about whether he flushes the lavatory or something like that. I mean, you know, it's got that puerile. So his relationship with the press is something I've studied because, in a sense, I think what Julian Assange does um, as a delivering WikiLeaks, a, a vehicle for whistleblowers, uh, and it's often been national security uh, level whistleblowing, um, to deliver their leaks in a manner that's more secure for them. That's effectively what it says on the tin. That's what Julian uh, attempts to do, and that's exactly what he's done. Um, if you, as a whistleblower, put in his Dropbox, his digital Dropbox, um, material that he's able to validate, and it's important to point out he's not put anything out that hasn't, you know, that has been challenged as not, not being not true. Not a single one. Not a single There's one. Not many journalists yeah. in the world can say that. Well, I think that's certainly true. Um, and so, essentially, what he's what he's done, George, is he's 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 done what he said he would do, but he's done it, I think, because journalism isn't necessarily challenging the powerful in the way that, that I think he and many of us would like it to. Um, and so fundamentally, he serves a purpose. And, and so essentially, that's what, what, what he's done. He's delivered us, the public. We're the beneficiaries of this, um, the public, because he's put information out that, um, that we're struggling to get. To get. Um, and of course, there are complexities in this. Um, you know, national security whistleblowing is a complex subject. I mean, I don't know anybody who feels like, like me, and clearly having heard you how you feel about this, who's not concerned that we're protected. We don't want our national security services not to function. We want to func them to function better. We want them to function in a way that we can be sure that they're protecting us from everybody, including uh, pow uh, power, our own governments and people like that. We want them to be properly scrutinized. We, we, we want they want them to be intrusive more than they need to be so um, uh, so in a sense it's very controversial but what Julian did then when he came to the frontline club those years ago was he started this debate about um, uh, transparency I think it's an incredibly important debate that he initiated um, and since then um, that the forces arrayed against him, who are incredibly powerful, have been attempting to smear him, attempting to um, keep him incarcerated so that he can't do that. And this is the struggle as I see it. And during that struggle, um, I, I hosted him for 13 months in my house, um, which was quite an interesting experience, as you can imagine. Um, uh, and uh, and uh, I, I still visit him uh, in his, you know, today in, in the embassy. Um, and, uh, you know, I am concerned about his health. His, his health, you know, unsurprisingly, I mean, he's a big bloke, Julian. He's a big bloke. Perhaps you don't quite see this on the television, but he's huge. He's a nice, powerful bloke, big bones. But um, he's, he's very thin. He's lost a lot of muscle. Uh, he hasn't been able to exercise. He's pale. He's clearly suffering. But at the same time, I don't want to underestimate his robustness. He's a he's a very, he's a toughie. You know, he's he you know he's managing it. He's okay, um, but he but he's suffering, and I think that's how we should uh, do it. I don't think um, uh, you know I, he's he's not about to collapse. He's 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 managing this um, awful situation. The things that he became initially famous for were more or less universally acknowledged and welcomed by progressive people, by people interested in the truth, by journalists and political figures and so on, all but the power that was being exposed. So, for example, when he brought us the, the video of uh, American forces gunning down unarmed civilian people in Iraq or information about Abu Ghraib and other atrocities uh, that have been committed, he was briefly a hero. Where did it all go wrong? Uh, I think uh, that the news organisations, I mean, I think about this a lot, it's quite hard to answer. Um, I think the news organisations uh, begun to resent the fact that he had access to all this extraordinary information. 
Um, and so I think there was a sort of professional resentment. I think journalism isn't, you know, uh, uh, ten years ago more so, isn't sort of open to everybody in the way that perhaps it should be. Um, you know, if you spent 30 years as a journalist and you've cracked fan you know, five fantastic stories in your life, in your career, and, and Julian comes and does that in a day, um, you know, perhaps that's part of it. I don't know. I mean, I, I just felt that it was... Um, I don't like bullying, and he was being bullied by power. I think that you know the promise of this country that we live in, um, in Great Britain, is that uh, justice is given equally to everybody, and it hasn't been with him. And that's my problem. That's why I've taken the stand because you know it's not good enough to smear somebody because um, you know power disagrees with them. Um, we have the courts to deal with uh, uh, wrongdoing, not not tax-funded smearing by our authorities. And that that's where I felt that it was unfair, and that's why I've maintained my support for Julian. Not necessarily because I believe in everything he's done, but we've got to treat people fairly. You, you, you can't treat somebody who gets out of bed every morning thinking he's doing, believing that he's doing good and supporting a, a public duty, because that's what he believes, and that's what, you know, that's what he's doing. In, 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 you, know, you, you can't... You, you've got to treat people fairly. He's, he's, you know, the things that Julian has done, I think it's important to understand. If you look at his state now, he's, he's, lacked, um, he's lacked his freedom uh, on some level um, uh, for eight years now. Um, he's been producing or delivering uh, leaks that he knows is going to make it more difficult for him, and he's still doing it. Um, he's not doing it for him. How's he benefiting stuck in an embassy? Um, it, you know, it's not a nice life. He, he's, it's miserable, his existence. Completely miserable. Um, and that's why I think the public have got to take some ownership of this. Too often I see, um, or I mean, many of us will see, whistleblowing that serves the public. And those whistleblowers, when they're out of the attention, out of the public eye, um, the, 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 the people get, catch up on them. They lose their mortgages. They, 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 they lose their jobs. Um, and we're not protecting whistleblowers, and yet they're doing this for us, for the public. And that, that's the, Finally, uh, before I move on uh, to other members of the audience, there was a step change, wasn't there, when Julian began revealing leaks about Senator Hillary Clinton and the U.S. Democrats, who, broadly speaking... Uh, are the party of, and she the candidate of, liberal opinion, not just in the United States, small l liberal opinion, and not just in the United States, but across the world. The perception was that in publishing these leaks, none of which have been debunked or disproved or even denied, yeah. but in publishing them, he was effectively assisting Donald Trump becoming president of the United States. It was at that moment that Julian went from being the subject of resentment from the liberal, liberalati, as I call them, uh, to being a figure of hate. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. Um, but I think it's important to remember at the time, we all thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win. So he, he didn't do this because he felt he would be favoured by Trump. He did this because it was in the Dropbox, and he was able to verify it, and it was true. And it's important to point, I mean, th these things came from a source called Goosefoot 2.0 and uh, DC Leaks. Um, it wasn't just WikiLeaks that distributed that material. It came from other sources too. So I, I, think, um, I, I think that uh, this is a product of disinformation that has promoted the idea that WikiLeaks has been working for, for the Russians or anything like this. I, 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 he denies that. There's, I've seen no evidence to support that, so I don't think we should consider that to be the most likely thing that's happened. Um, uh, so, yes, I mean, it, 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 but I think you're absolutely right. Um, there was a perception that he was doing something that helped uh, deliver Trump as president of the, of the United States. Um, but, you know, you, th th the truth is like that, isn't it? You know, just, you, you Telling can't... the truth <laughs> about Hillary Clinton, uh, if it does deliver Donald Trump, it must have been pretty devastating truth. Well, I mean, um, the, the the idea was that it undermined, um, you know, the, the, the other democratic like uh, opposition to to Hillary Clinton, like Sanders and people like that. So, you know, it, it, it's it, it's complicated stuff. But we can't choose the truth that we want to hear. You know, truth is truth, and 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 that's the great thing. If you compare WikiLeaks to uh, uh, regular journalism, a lot of journalism isn't true, um, and a lot of it is politically motivated. It's commentary, a great deal of it. Um, whereas what what Julian is delivering 
thing it, you know, is true, um, but it, he can only deliver what he's actually got. So when people say, oh, well, why doesn't he deliver some great uh, thing about Russia that undermines Putin? Well, it's not in the Dropbox. We'll send it then. <laughs> I'm sure he will. Um, and so, you know, you can't choose the truth because it suits you. Uh, and you can't uh, ally with people um, like Julian just because you, you, know, you, you like or somehow then don't like what, what they're putting out. Patrick Christie, you're a, a rising journalist in this country. Uh, you're everywhere, your byline, your face, your voice. You're making your way now in the journalistic profession and very successfully. Does it concern you that what's happened to Julian is what happens to truth tellers? Yeah, absolutely, massively. I think there's the old adage of one man's terrorist, another man's freedom fighter. And certainly in the case of Julian Assange, it's important to say that the definition of Julian Assange differs depending on who you are. In the United Kingdom, the United States, he's deemed as a monumental national security threat. By the UN, he's deemed as somebody who campaigns to put, public, uh, to put information out in the public domain that's of public interest. And actually, they say his civil liberties are being curtailed by our government. I think this sets a very worrying precedent for journalists in this country. If you have information that would be deemed damaging to national security interests or to your government, if this can happen to Julian Assange, as high profile as he is, what could happen to somebody that nobody's heard about? And I think that's a very, very worrying state of affairs. Now, in this country, in Britain, we hold ourselves up as the standard bearer for human rights, for freedom of speech and freedom of expression. But all too often, we don't practice what we preach. Our government is very, very quick to slap what's called a D-notice on a lot of things. Now, I have fallen victim to this myself. It's something I've not spoken about publicly before, but it seems like a decent enough forum to do it. I actually uncovered that there was quite a large terror plot uh, a very well-known London landmark that could have affected hundreds, if not thousands, of people. And that was foiled by total accident. And I was about to publish this, and the government slapped a D-notice on it. Now, I don't fancy spending the next 20 years of my life in the Ecuadorian embassy, and it does, it does great at me that I didn't do it. But that said, our government here can simply, essentially, castrate the truth a lot. But for me, there's a big question here, and it's about the internet, and it's about how we police the internet. The way WikiLeaks works is they obtain information that comes from various sources. Essentially, what that is, is a leak, by definition, that's come through. And that leak often comes through a breach of the cybersecurity infrastructure of an institution or an individual. Now, the question is, what do you do with that? Do you shoot the messenger, like we are doing with Julian Assange? Or does the government hold its hands up and say, we have not protected our information well enough? And I think what they're doing with Julian Assange is essentially trying to mask the fact that they have not secured their own information well enough and they're using him as a scapegoat for that. And I find that deeply concerning. I just think that we should be very aware in this country that we do not always practice what we preach when it comes to freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And when we look at other countries in Britain as we do and judge them publicly and vocally for not holding the standards that we might hold dear, we're not doing it ourselves a lot of the time and of course the conditions of the incarceration in a small room in a small embassy we mustn't let people get the wrong impression the Ecuadorian embassy is like an apartment it's mm. the size of an apartment and Julian lives in one room of that apartment now intermittently and for long periods <coughs> without even the ability to talk with his mother uh, or his friends, or properly to his lawyers. But what, however grim it is in the Lee of Harrods is nothing as to what would happen to Julian if the British government or the British courts were to uh, get their hands on him and extradite him to the United States, mm. where we now know, though it was concealed for a long time, indictments for espionage, a publisher being accused of espionage, are there waiting for him because that leads to never seeing daylight again in the grim dungeons of the American prison system, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Again, we like to hold ourselves up in the US, like to hold ourselves up as the world's policemen. And we regularly criticise other countries for behaving in a way and treating people as political prisoners and treating them inhumanely. Well, you've got one right now just nearby Harrods that's being treated in that way and could quite conceivably risk being treated in that way in a foreign power for the rest of his life. And I think it's important that we should note this, that our government and the US government has taken the decision that they would rather try to silence Julian Assange and treat him inhumanely instead of changing the way that they operate on the world stage and doing that in a way that is less 
essentially illegal in some respects, uh, and less, ag less aggressive and less inhumane. They have decided to take the route of actually trying to essentially castrate Julian Assange uh, and stifle his career and stifle all his civil liberties. And I think that's uh, important that people recognise that that is a decision that our government has taken very freely and very easily. And that has to say a lot about our attitude as a nation. I think that's wrong. By the way, the extradition treaty under which he would be sent was from the Blair government, signed by David Blunkett, and it's the most unequal extradition treaty known to man. The United States, though not reciprocally, the United States merely has to file a demand for someone's extradition, and the British government has agreed that they can have it. No cause, no prima facie case, nothing has to be presented. Although, if Britain tried the same with an American citizen, they'd soon get short shrift. We'll be right back. talking about Julian Assange, a political prisoner right in the heart of London. We took the Kalimahorra camera onto the streets of London to find out what the people thought. Let's take a look. Do you think Assange's struggle for freedom is a sign of growing authoritarianism in the West? Absolutely. Totally, yes. Um... There's not much more I can say about that. It's, it's obvious that anybody that's, that, that stands for freedom and justice is, is um, a big danger to the um, order. I do, and a touch of hypocrisy as well, because um, the United Nations have already stated that he's being arbitrarily detained. I think it's a sign that there's something that's being hidden from people. If they're trying to lock someone away just for sharing information, it shows that there is something like corrupt in the powers that be. Definitely. I mean, he's under pressure of, of American authorities and, and also other governments that support that type of authoritarianism. I think that some political powers and countries will want him to be quiet and they will do what it needs either legally or otherwise, to keep him quiet. As you said, a leading UN body has found that Julian Assange should be released. Why do you think the British government is resistant to this finding? Um, I wouldn't like to say, but um, America springs to mind and the fact that we are leaving the EU and we need all the help and money that we can get is probably pays a part. If the Americans say jump, they jump and they say how high. Do you think it's right that someone can be incarcerated for this period of time without any trial? Um, absolutely outrageous, illegal, unlawful. Uh, it shouldn't be happening. It's just not right. Um, no one should be limited to a certain tiny area, especially just for trying to spread the message of truth. Ah, the public. Proud of every one of those, I must say. Made you proud to be British. Uh, now, uh, let's continue with the debate. Yes, sir, Julian. Thank you, George. Another fellow Julian. There's not many of us. When you heard Julian was on the show tonight, you're probably disappointed to see me. But um, in terms of the solidarity with Julian, it seems the good old-fashioned peaceful protest um, is not enough. And that wasn't enough to prevent the Iraq war and civil disobedience is probably uh, the way um, the likes of the Gilets Jaunes. And I wonder if the Gilets Jaunes have a view on uh, Julian Assange. I Good wonder point, if anyone mentioned it uh, Someone should, uh, should communicate to them to add that to, uh, the, um, to, to their demands. Because there's no doubt it's not just the American government whose malfeasance Julian Assange and WikiLeaks has exposed. It has exposed wrongdoing by the powerful, uh, corporate as well as state, 
uh, across the uh, whole world and not once been wrong. So a good point, if the Gilets Jaunes are watching, free Julian Assange should be one of your demands. Alexander Nekrasov, you too are a prominent journalist, commentator, best-selling author, and in a previous life, uh, a Kremlin advisor in Russia. Uh, is the way that Julian Assange is being treated uh, the kind of thing that happened to free journalists in the former Soviet Union and Soviet bloc? Uh, well, uh, I can't recall any incidents like that in the Soviet Union because there was fear. You know, the KGB was, uh, was there all the time, so not many people would dare to do this. But um, I was quite surprised that uh, Julian Assange was accused of working with the KGB or former KGB, uh, it's a different name now, uh, simply because if he were a spy for Russia, he would have been smuggled by the KGB a long time ago from that embassy, trust me. These, boys, they, these, boys, stage, these yeah. boys have been smuggling people all along, everywhere. So that is out of um, the question. And uh, I would like to remind everyone that uh, Julian Assange did reveal some stuff about Russia as well. There was some very critical stuff about Putin and about links of the government with uh, all sorts of strange people, including the strange oligarchs and so on. So I think that's a major mistake when people say, no, 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 Julian Assange didn't touch Russia. He did. But uh, the big question is this. Why is he kept for so long in the Ecuadorian embassy? Now, I'd like to, first of all, say to everyone that Ecuador is under enormous pressure from the Americans. We are saying, like, you know, they, they, they can't uh, organize a proper the treatment of him and so on and so on. They're under enormous pressure. And to hold on for eight years to, to keep him away from the Americans, I think we should congratulate the Ecuadorians, to be honest with you, instead of saying, you know, why, why don't they do this or don't do that? You must understand, Americans, they know how to pile pressure. But the question is, why is he there for so long? Well, very simple answer. The authorities in the West want all journalists to know what will happen to them if they do this. And this is a reminder every day to all the journalists who would get ideas to reveal things that their government doesn't like. They're saying, look what will happen to you and how we will get to you. And even if people would like to protect you, we will go after you and we will destroy you. So he is there for a long stay because he is a symbol which the government uses to frighten other journalists. Now, I would like to say to you that censorship in the West has increased dramatically in the last 20 years. Uh, when I am told by young and not so young journalists in the West that they enjoy freedom of speech, that they can write whatever they want. I, well, I don't laugh at them, but I understand that they are taught like that, you know, from the early age and when they are in university and so on. Unfortunately, I usually disappoint them, George. <laughs> I usually say, no, you don't. No, you can't say whatever you want. There is censorship. There's different types of censorship. There is strict censorship, like we see in North Korea, for example, when nobody would dare say anything. There's very strict censorship in Cuba, for example. But there is this other censorship which exists in the West, which has always been there, and in the past 20 years has become very strict. Now, I am one of the victims of that censorship. In, in the 1990s, I had a regular slot on the BBC, uh, very famous, by the way, radio program show. And when Blair came to power, Alistair Campbell, his attack dog, decided, well, not only him, but Blair as well, that I was not sounding very well for them. I was criticizing Blair all the time for not being labor, you know, for pretending too much and so on. So I was removed on the instructions of Blair and Alistair Campbell. Now, that's censorship. 
because they didn't like what I was saying. And I, don't, I wasn't saying anything like Julian Assange is saying. So this censorship is also keeping Julian Assange in that embassy. That's very important. So I would like to, 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 to tell people, uh, not only in the Western countries, but outside the Western countries, there's a lot of talk about the freedom of speech, the freedom of this and all that. There is a very limited freedom now in all over the West. You have to think twice before you say something. And that has been developing, unfortunately, mm. for a long time. Well, uh, uh, Francis Bacon described as the arrow that flies in the night, self-censorship. These journalists, most of them, have no need to be censored. They have already censored themselves. And the example of Julian Assange is, of course, one of the things that they will no doubt uh, have in mind. Thank you for that, uh, Alexander. Who uh, would like to join in? The gentleman at the back, the other gentleman at the back. Uh, my name's Kieran O'Reilly. I'm from the Pacifist Catholic Worker Movement, and I come to you tonight uh, from uh, the embassy, where I've been living uh, rough on the streets for 50 days in solidarity with Julian. Uh, like Julian, I'm from Queensland, Australia. That's the state where civil liberties were suspended in response to the anti-Vietnam movement and the anti-nuclear movement of the 70s. Australia is a country that wanted to hand him in over on the first day, Labor Prime Minister Julia Gillard, and also the country that will not renew his passport now that it's lapsed last January. Like Julian, I'm a former prisoner of the United States. I served 13 months in Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana for disabling a B-52 bomber in a plowshares action. I first worked with Julian in 2000 in the non-violent protest around the World Economic Forum in Melbourne. Um, I found my vocation very early with the Catholic worker living and working with the homeless doing anti-war activity. Julian obviously moved on, on from activism and found his vocation with WikiLeaks in 2006, which was when I was acquitted of two and a half million dollars criminal damage to a US war plane at Shannon Airport en route to the invasion of Iraq. Also, my godson Ben Griffin was deployed in Iraq with the SAS at that point. I, I reconnected with Julian the first day he was taken into custody at Horse Ferry Courts and it's quite destructive that they then moved it to the uh, court system that's built for terrorist cases uh, at Woolwich. Uh, it has an underground tunnel into Bel Belmarsh which is category A. So they put him in that setting uh, immediately. Um, What's really traumatised me over the eight years of involvement, and we provided uh, solidarity outside of the High Court, and Ben Griffin and myself, who founded Veterans for Peace, uh, provided the physical security of getting Julian in and out of court safely. The press obviously wanted an expression of shock or fear on his face, but Julian's he's a pretty smart guy and he's a very resilient guy. He's someone who, at, in his early 20s, was facing 36 charges in Melbourne, and that didn't put him off. Now, I've, lived, I've met two people. I've lived with a lot of refugees from El Salvador and East Timor, from Syria and Iraq, who understandably flee the extremities of empire. And the two people I've lived with or met that go running into the headlights of empire are Phil Berrigan and Julian Assange. Now, Phil and Dan Berrigan were Catholic priests in the 60s who were on the front page of Time magazine, like Julian Assange. And there were meetings between Hoover and Nixon to marginalise them, just like there's been meetings about Julian Assange. And they effectively marginalised them by doing a beat-up case around conspiracy to kidnap Henry Kissinger. Um, and that really marginalised our movement. Now, Julian, I think, is a person in human history that has upset the most amount of powerful people in the shortest amount of time. A badge of honour. And Yeah. I mean, Jesus had a good go at it, but he probably didn't have the media reach. And he's also someone who went very quickly from hero to zero, uh, just like the Berrigans got marginalised. What traumatises me is that one and a half million people marched in the city against the war that both Chelsea Manning and Julian Assange uh, exposed. And I know Chelsea's mother. She's Welsh, Susan. And uh, Chelsea grew up in Wales for five years, went to high school there in Haverford West, and received little, little solidarity from the anti-war organisations in the cities and the NGOs that have occupied the space following the collapse of the left in the 90s. And those NGOs are basically there to manage potential radical constituencies, whether it's anti-war or prisoners or homelessness. Uh, so the whole thing's quite stressful, uh, obviously sleep-deprived. Um, but obviously Julian's getting a rougher time because uh, I've, I've done about a month sensory deprivation in jail uh, and six and a half years. It's a very different Julian Assange that will come out of that building. And, uh, you know, so it's a slow motion crucifixion as far as I can see.
Very powerful words uh, indeed. We're discussing Julian Assange, a political prisoner right in the heart of London, who is in danger either of dying in his bizarre incarceration in a room in the Ecuador embassy or being sent to Guantanamo Bay. Madam. My name is Sarah, <clears throat> and um, talking about freedom and um, the freedom of speech, I am a British citizen, and uh, my background is from Yemen. So really, thinking about the freedom of speech, I actually don't know. Um, thinking about Julian and how much he put into uh, to the word of what's happening, I myself sometimes think twice. Uh, how much freedom do I have, and how can I express myself um, of what's happening back there in my country. So really, this is a problem that each one of us is facing, really. Can we actually say the truth? Can we speak out loud? And in a situation like what's happening now to Julian, what can we do? If we do, all of us go outside and you know show support, what is our options? I mean, we've, we, we know the problems, but I want to know the solutions. We'll come to that. Thank you. But my advice to you is this. You're a believer, yeah? Yes. On the judgment day, will you tell the Lord you were afraid to speak the truth? Never. Thank you. Gentleman at the back. Uh, Colin Becks is my name. Excuse me, I have a, a bad throat. Um, I'm uh, the co-founder of um, a political party called the Wessex Regionalists. I've been campaigning for 43 years to overthrow the whole corrupt, morally bankrupt, and financially bankrupt nation-state government system, not only in Britain, but of course in America and wherever it exists in the world. Julian Assange, in my rating, is uh, a human being of such exemplary courage and focus that what he has done has, I believe, driven a wedge into this vile, corrupt system of power which is manipulated by members of our species who are suffering psychopathic mania. They are psychopaths and they need help in the community. The only hope I can see is for everyone in this room and elsewhere around the world to start standing for this power and removing it from these people. They will never hand it back. And I pray for Julian Assange. As an atheist, I pray simply as a human being, and I will do whatever little I may to ensure he gets safe passage from his hellhole run by the May filthy government, which you can see is little more than a black farce being played out on the television screens through all our lives at the moment. Thank you very much. Powerful uh, indictment. I can't go all the way with you on your Wessex case, but I think you spoke for Julian very powerfully. Now, madam, you are from Latin America, from the Caribbean. We've heard uh, the pressure, bullying, browbeating and bribing uh, of Ecuador that the United States is now engaged in. How much of an issue is this in Latin America? And where do people's sympathies lie? Uh, um, my name is Sharon, I'm an amateur. Um, I think um, Ecuador, like the whole of South America, um, has been the backyard of America. It's been there since the Monroe Doctrine. And, and the Monroe Doctrine says that, you know, you know, European nations must keep out, and this is our backyard. In recent times, there's been Lula, there's been Rafa um, Correa, there's been um, Chavez in Venezuela, and that has been a red flag for America, and their plan has always been to get rid of these people by their usual CIA, um, whatever. Ecuador is a small country. Ecuador um, had the elections. We lost Rafa uh, Correa, who was a firm supporter of Julian Assange, who treated him as a real brother, gave him a diplomatic passport, gave him safe passage in the Ecuador embassy. Now, because of the 
the the the I would say the serpent tail hitting, which is which is neoliberalism. I I don't even call it neoliberalism. I call it conservative um, economics, which has been sweeping aside and killing a lot of people. Austerity, Ecuador is no stranger to that, and bribing the new corrupt CIA asset asset is no big deal for America. I mean they are happy to borrow money just as how they borrowed to get into wars as trillions get into debt. They see that as no problem to send a message to, to journalists that you're not going, your truth is not on, the, on our agenda. You will not expose our secrets. So Ecuador is in a strange position, but it's in the same position because they've got the same economic problems from um, um, conservative economics, the middle classes have been devastated and they're blaming everybody else but the economics. And so Ecuador has bowed and it is just a matter of time, um, which is why I thank you very much for keeping an eye on him and he's gaining a lot of friends all over the place. And I think because so many people have gotten involved, like um, Dr. William Binney, who used to be with the NS NSA, John Kuriaku, who could tell you all the stories of his time in a Virginia prison for being a whistleblower. Um, he's gaining a lot. Jimmy Dore from America, the comedian. You know, there so many people are getting on board. So he is definitely with us. I think of, of him every night. I light a candle for him. And I hope that um, he'll be free one day. Very powerful. Uh, Vaughan, uh, you must be encouraged by the, uh, the level of sincerity and support in an audience like this once they know the facts. But where does this case lie now? What's going to happen to Julian in your view? Yes, no, I, I am. I am reassured by the by the, the support in the room. I, I'm. I think ultimately, uh, Julian requires public support. That's that's. Uh, the, the, you know, we need to as a public um, support him. Um, where does it go? Uh, I understand. Certainly, Julian's expecting to be encouraged to leave the Ecuadorian embassy. Um, and I'm not quite sure what that looks like. Uh, at that point, um, he expects to be arrested by the British police on the basis that he skipped bail. Um, and then he's vulnerable because he won't have a passport, he can't travel, he'll, he, 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 he won't be allowed bail anymore because he will be determined a flight risk legally, having already... Uh, you know, flown to the Ecuadorian embassy before. Um, but so essentially what will happen to him is he'll be stuck. He'll be pinned down in a British jail, which will give perhaps six months for um, the American administration uh, to deliver an extradition. However, it's clear because there was a, a, a legal leak that I think people are familiar with that there is evidence to suggest that they, the Americans will be uh, putting in an extradition. But what's not clear is what the nature of that extradition is, whether it's part of the Mueller inquiry that's targeting Trump or whether it's something else um, related to um, what was perhaps happening um, uh, six to eight years ago in relation to security breaches. Um, so it, it's very unclear, but um, uh, it, and very unclear whether an extradition would indeed succeed. Um, I think there are all sorts of public questions about whether um, it's appropriate, something you've already suggested, um, for a you know, non-American citizen journalist to be uh, extradited to America. I mean, uh, would, would America be happy for Russia, say, to extradite a, an American journalist that, uh, <laughs> you know, or, or perhaps Saudi Arabia, if there was a, an English journalist who revealed something about the Khashoggi? I mean, you know, I mean, where does it start, where does it stop? Should America expect that um, we should be handing people over under these circumstances? circumstances. So um, ultimately, um, I think we'd all like to live in a society where um, uh, it's not Julian who's facing justice, but the people who he revealed and their wrongdoing. Um, but we don't seem to be getting there. How can we kickstart uh, journalistic, small l liberal opposition, at least to extradition? Because this seems to me to be key the weakest part of Julian's defense, and I could show you my scars uh, as a longtime supporter of Julian, I could show you my scars from that segment of society for having stood up for Julian. Mm. 
how can we win back, or in any case win, an understanding amongst journalists, opinion makers, political decision makers, that a whistleblower of this scale, this magnitude, simply must be protected from what is effectively a death sentence, or it will be the death of democracy and freedom of speech in, uh, for all of us. I think it's very challenging. Ultimately, I do believe um, in, the, in the public will. I think it's very important um, for people to stand up for whistleblowers, and I, I've said that um, several times tonight. Um, uh, in journalism, it's problematic. I, I, I run a club for journalists. I speak to a lot of them. Um, and I think, they, um, I think they fail to understand the amount of content that he's put into the public domain that is referred to by journalists all the time mm. across the His world. His stories were published in the New York Times, in The Guardian, uh, mm. especially The Guardian. I think there is a chance that journalism, Guardian, New York Times, I mean, there's, there's lots of them. Um, I, 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 I think there is a chance. And I, I think it's important also to, to, to observe that the, 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 uh, the, the difficulty is very much in the kind of Anglo-Saxon world. It's America and, and Britain. You go to Spain, it's very different. You go to Germany, it's quite different. France, it's quite different. Um, because they haven't been subjected to the level of smear. We know They haven't sort of uh, read all this rubbish that's just not true about him. Um, so I, I, I think journalists need to understand, and perhaps it will dawn, and perhaps it will, they will realise it when they see that if uh, J Julian Assange can be extradited in America, um, what is the meaning for the New York Times? What is the meaning for The Guardian? They publish this stuff too, aren't they next? Um, and I think that will occur to people. I, I, you know, I think there's, it, it's, it's not clear that uh, uh, an extradition will be successful. Um, perhaps the objective of those people seeking the extradition, though, is to undermine the ability of WikiLeaks to work, because it has in the past been very dependent of Julian. He is the sort of editor-in-chief. Um, and, 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 and that's successful, perhaps, to an extent, if you, you're pinning him down in the Ecuadorian embassy. You're certainly undermining his ability to run the organization to its full potential. And, and perhaps it's enough for them just to um, demonstrate to us uh, that uh, you know, the Americans will go after anybody who opposes them in this way. So I, I don't know, but um, I, I, I do think ultimately it's the public that need to stand up for people because because Julian is doing this for the public. It's a public interest activity and the public must take responsibility if, for if it. If an extradition isn't guaranteed to be successful, neither actually is a prosecution in the United States. There have been other uh, high-profile whistleblowers that the US courts have refuse to convict. Do you see any, uh, do you get any comfort from that? Or are you just not prepared to take the risk? Um, I, I think it's very important that Julian doesn't, doesn't arrive in America. Um, I, I think um, that, that would worry me um, greatly, and it certainly worries him. Um, I, I think that uh, you know, the, the, the American prisons are full of people. There are an awful lot of people in American prisons. It's a sort of gulag, isn't it? I mean, uh, uh, so, I, you know, I don't think he wants to go there. But, but I, you know, I hear what you're saying, um, but I'm not a legal expert, so I don't know what his chances in an American court would be. Um, but I do feel that the Americans have a tendency to... Uh, to patiently get their man, they, they, they don't seem to forgive very much. You know, they didn't forgive Castro. They didn't forgive. They didn't forgive Iran. They didn't forgive very quickly, do they? Um, they you know, they want their man. Though ironically, <laughs> uh, having been accused of helping Trump into office, it's Trump's vice president that's in Ecuador. Uh, bribing indeed. the Ecuadorians to hand them over. In, in, indeed, but you see, it's interesting because, of course, there have been further leaks. There was the sort of Vault 7 leak, which was quite important, um, that may have slightly blotted Julian's copybook in terms of, um, I think it, it, it caused some anger. Uh, um, it, it was a leak which revealed uh, the manner in which, um, you know, perhaps... Um, uh, 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 sort of uh, tradecraft for the CIA, where they were able to deliver into televisions and phones and various other items that we all might use, um, malware to be able to take control of these things. And, and, and so, in a sense, I think that caused a great deal of, of anger in the American security services. I've been angry with them myself. I, 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 I often, I, I, I often, particularly over Spain, for example, Catalonia and so on, I say to myself, why are you doing that? Mm. You're making your situation worse. But in a way, that proves your initial point, mm. that he is a publisher of uncomfortable information. 
if it ends up in his Dropbox mm. and he can uh, he can stand it up, he publishes it. Well, for, for me, it, it, it comes down to this idea about how a, a, a civilised society treats people who cause friction, people who don't perhaps fit in. Uh, you know, you go back far enough, Socrates, um, you know, he, he, got, he got executed because powerful people didn't like him. Yeah, Alan Turing, for example, um, he got rehabilitated. Um, uh, and yet when we discovered all he did to, you know, Bletchingly Park um, uh, with, with the Enigma codes. So, you know, I'm not saying that Julian is one of those, but I do think that society needs needs to be very careful about how it treats and accommodates people who don't appear to fit in and might make us uncomfortable. I think a, 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 a better society is able to cope and perhaps learn from these people. Um, but uh, the way Julian's been treated, I think, is an absolute disgrace. It's not fair. It's not just. I think and, and we've we established that tonight. Uh, just in the closing seconds, uh, a very large audience will see this program and many will want to, as the young lady has here, do something, however small. What can they do? Uh, that's a, a good question, um, because I, I don't sort of necessarily myself organise support for Julian, but uh, I personally believe that it is really about the public. I think it's about writing, it's about talking to people. Can one write yeah. to him, for example? Oh, one can certainly write letters of support to him. I well, think write to politicians. watching this, yes. write a goodwill message. Send a card to Julian Assange at the Ecuador Embassy in London. Go on. That'll keep him busy. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, yes, I, I mean, supporting somebody like that is important. I think moral support, um, you know, reassuring Julian that we appreciate what he's doing, I think is, a, is, a, is certainly a, a good thing to do. But also, I think it's, it's taking the opportunity to discuss it, taking the opportunity to argue and persuade other people um, so that, you know, the powerful forces arrayed against him don't win because of our apathy, um, don't win because we don't seem to care too much. We have to learn to protect people who are out there trying to work to support our interests and the campaign is unity for julian what give us the headline what should people google now watching this oh crikey uh, justice for julian i believe that's the one justice justice for, for, for julian with a four, four. in it it certainly used to be there'll be a link it'll be julian. justice for julian yes it's been marvelous for me <laughs> i hope it was for you and if it was come back next time